Thank you, worship team. I'm going to try. You can pray for me this morning. I'm going to be on the edge of a cough all morning, so I've got my water here ready just in case. Well, welcome. If this is your first time, so glad that you can be here with us this morning. My name's David. I'm the English pastor here. We have a co-pastorship. We have a church with two languages in it, and Ruben Barbosa over here is our Spanish pastor. Um, if you know Spanish, um, I encourage you to stay through to the service that follows this one. Uh, Reuben and I are tracking together through the book of Ephesians, and uh, even though the topic is the same, the passage is the same, what God has put on Reuben's heart is unique and different than what he's put on my heart. So I know that you'd be blessed if you're able uh, to stay through a Spanish service, even if you don't know Spanish. Uh, at least once, I encourage you to stay for Spanish worship. Uh, same group, a couple of the songs will be the same, but in Spanish, uh, there'll be a couple of songs that are new uh, from what we did already. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in this church. We are just over a month old, a brand new baby church, and boy, <laughs> this does not feel like a church that's just over a month old. God has blessed us incredibly uh, with the people that serve uh, with you all as part of this body. We're going through Ephesians. Uh, we just started last week into the book of Ephesians. Uh, like we mentioned last week, uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote from Rome while he was in prison there to a church in Ephesus. Um, and the way it worked then is that letter then would have been copied and spread throughout uh, the surrounding area and the churches and would have been read as part of their worship. Um, this past week, we read verses 1 through 10. Um, really, verses 3 through 14 are what's, what's almost a poem, like a, a, a hymn of worship and praise that Paul has kind of just inserted into the middle of what is his normal customary greeting. And so even in verse 15, it's kind of like he's finishing up his greeting. He's, he's stuck this in there. Um, it's not by accident. It's very intentional for his purpose in this letter and what he's writing uh, to the Ephesians. And what we started to see in that was just God's purpose. Paul just saying, look, this is God's relationship to us. The almighty God and his purpose and his love towards us uh, realized in his son, Jesus. And we have over and over again, in Christ, in him, in Jesus, what we have, the promises and the love of God worked towards us. And so last week, we looked at three purposes that God has towards us. Normally, we think of things in terms of, of our relationship with God and, and our dealing with what's going on around us. But we looked at what God's purposes are towards us and how that can shape our thinking and looking at the situation and circumstances around us. There's one more purpose that I'm going to dig into this morning uh, that's there in, in the final piece of this. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to read the whole um, of this blessing section, of this, of this just worship section that Paul has put in here, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Can you imagine that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are in Christ. Christ is in heaven. And in that sense, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
We will fully realize that later when we get to be with Christ, but I don't want to take too long on that. That's just exciting to me. Uh, Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. That was one of the purposes that we looked at last week. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Another purpose he has and is working towards us. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has bestowed on us, has blessed us in the beloved, his beloved son. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in the wisdom, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write this letter to the Ephesians, so that now as as Hope Church, Iglesia Esperanza, we can receive it knowing that that same power that was there for them because it was your word is now here for us. God, help us to receive it as your word, your truth. Open our eyes, God, for us to understand this. We need your spirit working in us. God, I pray that you would shape us and mold us as a church to be what you want us to be to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the section that we have here, uh, 11 through 14, uh, it's the first time that Paul, he's making a distinction between two different groups of believers. We see that uh, 11 and 12, in him we, he's talking about a we, which he's been talking about a we, but in the sentence started in 11, um, he continues in verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then he kind of confirms that distinction in verse 13. He says, in him you also. So there's a we who were first to hope in Christ and then a you also. Obviously the you also is talking to who he's addressing, the Ephesians. So what's that about? Um, This is just barely touching on something he's gonna get into later in chapter two. And as he's been in, in this blessing him, praise and worship, as, as he's just outlining all these blessings of God, I think he's just including this in there because this is one of the blessings that we have in Christ. And what it is, is that we, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are included in the promise of Christ. We are included in God's plan in Christ. It's something that we see also in other parts in the Bible. We saw it um, in Romans chapter one. When Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. We we see that if you look in the book of Acts, Acts is this historical narrative that starts from the beginning of the church and just covers the spread of the gospel. Uh, It started the Holy Spirit coming to the Jews 
We saw that first, but then Acts makes a point. I think Luke, who wrote Acts, was intentionally showing how the gospel started with the Jews, but then you see the Holy Spirit coming to the Gentiles. And ultimately, what started there in the center of of Jewish culture ends in Rome, the center of Gentile culture. We're seeing the gospel spread for the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. And so here, Paul's just barely touching on this, but you see in that term, uh, in, him, uh, in uh, verse 13, in him you also brings continuity between the two. The promises for one are the same for the other. Incredible blessing that we have in Christ. That's not the point that I want to get into this morning, but I wanted to make sure we understood what that was about, because it kind of jumps out there. Wait, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, these two different groups. What we have in here, um, well, before I get into that, um, another thing in this final section, we're not going to get to the promise here. Uh, The Holy Spirit's introduced. Um, You see, uh, it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So in the moment that you believed, he's telling these Ephesians, the Holy Spirit entered in you. This was something incredibly special because this was evidence of what he just mentioned implicitly. This, is, this was the evidence through Acts that, yes, the gospel was for the Gentiles also because, look, here's the testimony. They have also received the Holy Spirit. And so here he's saying when you believed, and, and there's so much Backstory to this that's so cool, I don't have time to really dig into, but if you just look at the history of, of how the gospel came to, uh, came to Ephesus, you, you have uh, really John the Baptist who was ahead of Christ, who was, who was making way for Christ and he was preaching uh, redemption and that you're going to need to believe in this one that's coming. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, you need to repent and, and believe in this one that's coming, that's coming after me who's much greater than I am. And so what we see even at the beginning when, when Paul first visits Ephesus, he's just leaving uh, the, his two disciples behind and he leaves and they run into a man named Apollos. Apollos had received the word from John the Baptist. He was teaching the repentance gospel of John the Baptist. So then Priscilla and Aquila, who had spent the last two years with Paul, were able to come around him and say, here, here's who that person is. Here's who Jesus Christ is. And then he's all excited, and he ends up being this great teacher, and he goes on to Corinth. And then Paul comes back another time. You see him running into these disciples, these disciples uh, that, that knew the message of John the Baptist. And, and Paul says, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And it's just, it's, it's this raw newness of what God was doing in Ephesus. And so, then Paul says, well, Jesus is the one that, that, that he was talking about that you'd be believing. And he tells them about Jesus, and they believe in Jesus, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And you see the signs of that as they speak in tongues, just like they did at the very beginning uh, when they received the Holy Spirit. It's incredible, God's plan uh, towards the Ephesians. So what we see here now in the fullness of this, I don't know what to call it, Worship <laughs> that, that Paul has put in here. We see all, per, all the persons of the Trinity. We see God the Father just ordaining, 
from before the foundations of the world, his love towards us. He knew you from before the foundations of the world and chose you to be his adopted child. Him carrying that out through God the Son, the Son of God who, who went to the cross for us, whose blood we have redemption through. Jesus, in whom everything is gonna be united, God's plan through his Son. And now we see in belief in Jesus Christ now, the Holy Spirit enters our life and seals us Literally, when it says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, he's a down payment of the fullness of the inheritance that is there for us in eternity with Christ. This whole section is about as comprehensive of a list of God's blessings towards us as we'll ever get, I think. Um, it's one of my favorites now as I've been studying it, um, just as the whole picture of God's love towards us. All right, so what is this purpose? <laughs> this final purpose. Well, we see it there right at the end. Um, our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We see it there in verse 12 uh, where it says, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We see it there in verse 6 to the praise of his glorious grace. What God is working in us, the love of, God's, of God towards us in his son is glory that is manifest in us and it is, in the, the all-encompassing purpose is to the praise of his glory. What does it mean for me to be to the praise of his glory? It means that everything I am is to the praise of his glory. We look at all of the ways that God has loved us, always working in us to be holy and blameless before him, that he has forgiven my sin, that he has a purpose for me, a part of what he's working, uh, to unite all things in himself, that, that I'm now following him in that purpose. Everything about me becomes to the praise of his glory. And that's what I wanna look into this morning. What does it mean to be to the praise of his glory. And as I was praying through this, um, I just started thinking about things that God has done in my life. Um, areas of my life where I've seen him be uh, working to the praise of his glory. And the first one is that my shame is to the praise of his glory. Ephesians knew something about sin and shame. We, we covered last week, uh, they, they were a center of idol worship. Uh, the, the, uh, the Temple of Artemis was there. People would come from all, uh, all around to, to pilgrimage and visit um, and worship. That there's probably people in this Ephesian church that, were, that served there at the Temple of Artemis. There's probably people in this Ephesian church who frequented the, the brothel along Marble Road potentially even some that were saved out of working at that brothel. They knew something of sin and shame. We know that there were those who were sorcerers and, and magicians who burned all of their books. We see, read that in Acts of such great value, um, turning to Christ. They knew something of sin and shame. So when, when they're reading here of God's love, that he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. They knew something about God's grace 
and the glory of it. I have a question for you, church. Are there things in your life that you feel preclude you from being a good Christian, being an effective Christian? It could be any number of things. Um, maybe there's divorce in your past. Maybe, um, maybe you've been to prison. Maybe um, you either got an abortion or, or encouraged someone to get abortion, and now you're still wrestling through that in your own life. Maybe you just have a history of failure in your life. Is there anything that you have in your life that just in your heart you feel like, no, I can't really fit into that category of good Christian. David, I'm just going to kind of, I, I like what's going on here. I'm going to look from the outside. But that's not really me. If you really knew me, I don't fit into that category. Boy, you do, because we're all, we're all in the category of having sin and shame in our life. That's the whole point of Jesus coming. And when his grace is upon our life and our sin and our shame is covered, not just covered, but forgiven by his blood, then there's glory in our life. See, Jesus didn't come. He didn't come to hide our sin and shame. That's what we do pretty well on our own. He didn't come to hide our sin and shame. What he came to do was to turn our hearts towards him. He came to put light into darkness, to bring to light our sin and shame, actually. And in doing that, by his blood, to forgive it and remove it from our life. We do still deal with the consequences of our sin, that's no doubt. But our life goes from being one burdened with and hiding in our sin and shame to one who says, yes, that was me, but now I am a child of God. And glory to God for what he has done in my life. My life, my sin and shame to his glory. There's a, a man that I know, um, a friend of mine, more than 20 years ago, long time back, he committed a crime. Um, and as a result, uh, he is registered in the sex offenders registry. Probably culturally, the lowest um, category of people that we consider among the lowest. Can God's grace cover and forgive his sin? Is he precluded? from the possibility of God working in his life for the cause of Christ, for God's glory? Can God get glory in his life? Since that time, this man met the grace of God. and His life was transformed. He will always be under the burden of that. The consequence of that is there. He's on the registry. 
But now he has, he has a, a healthy, thriving family, a wife and kids who love the Lord. And, I, and, and they have, by being brought to the bottom, been put in a place where God's glory is shown through them in a way that few of us can have realized in our life because there is, they're forced into humility as a family. But they don't look that way. The joy of the Lord is in that family, and God is using them. Yes, that burden is upon not just him, but his whole family. God's grace can change anyone to his glory. Praise the Lord. All right. Second area. My weakness to the praise of his glory. David, where are you going with these things? My shame, my weakness. It's what we bring to the table. <laughs> In that Ephesians 1, God is bringing his great love and his grace. We're bringing our shame and our weakness, but in that, God is glorified. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 9, verse 1. This is Jesus. It says, Jesus with his disciples. It says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Boy, the, the disciples are the blind ones here. Do we ever think this way? Or do we ever in our own uh, weaknesses, in, our, in, in whatever it is, the way that God has made us? Do we have disabilities? Do we have things that we're not good at? Me, uh, all my life I said, I'm not good at being in front of people or speaking. And, and in that weakness, God said, okay, I'm gonna do something in you. But, but do we see that somehow there's a fault to our weakness, there isn't. What did Jesus say? He said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. What is he saying there? That it's for God's purpose. That it's not by accident. It's not a mistake. It's not sin. It's none of that. It's actually God's purpose that this person should glorify God. God has a purpose in you that you should glorify God. Say, but God, I can't do this. Wonderful. In your weakness, I am going to be strong, and my glory is going to come out of you in a way that it doesn't to anyone else. Let's turn also Second Corinthians, uh, chapter twelve and verse six. Paul here has just gone through and described an experience. He describes it in the third person, but experience that he had, that he's not sure whether he was physically there or was a vision, but an incredible experience of going into heaven and seeing things and hearing things that no man is allowed to say. Um, I can't even imagine what that is. But he's been 
given this gift of revelation in God. Um, and then he says, um, in verse six, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. He has a lot to boast about. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. Go, Paul, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Boy, there's so much here I don't have time to go into. God causing this messenger from Satan, God controlling that, to give him this thorn in his flesh, that this is God's love for Paul. Why? To keep him from becoming conceited. Do we see that? That's God's love. See, if, if he's conceited, then Satan has won. Then, then, then Paul is no longer effective for the gospel because Paul's all about himself then. But no, in his weakness now, the power of Christ is working through him. What is your weakness? What is my weakness? Are we praising the Lord in our weakness? Boy, I, I, it's become almost a reflex to me. And, it's, and as God has brought me into being a pastor and going into situations that are not my comfort zone, um, that any time I'm faced with that situation of, oh, it's overwhelming, this is so much bigger than me, I can't do this, I just say, thank you, Lord. I just take that moment in my mind to pray Praise the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, that I am not up to this task because now I've got to depend on you. In our weakness, God is glorified. The power of God working in us is evident because it's bigger than we are. Get some water real quick. All right, two things that we encounter in life that I'm gonna have as my final bullets. First is ridicule. Ridicule to the praise of his glory. How does that work? Look real quick in 1 Peter chapter four. starting in verse 12. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He didn't say if it comes, he said when it comes. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. When I'm suffering, which the greatest form of suffering we typically run into in the United States is ridicule. There's our brothers and sisters around the world whose lives are on the line, who are being burned 
who are being killed for the cause of Christ. And they know something special of the fellowship of Christ, actually, I think that, that we don't experience because the greater the suffering, the greater the fellowship of our Lord, and we feel that. But we do run into ridicule. And if it's not explicit, it's implicit. Everything we, we see on TV, everything in the conversations at work, um, they don't tend to praise God or worship God and what he stands for. And Christ is not honored around us. So then when we stand for Christ, my name, praise the Lord, my name is associated with his name. And I am in Christ. So that if I receive any of that, praise the Lord, because my name is next to his name. So whenever we run into ridicule, let's praise the Lord. Now, another thing with ridicule, it's kind of that, that resistance, that hurt, that, that so much of our life, we go around protecting ourselves from things that we've experienced in the past, um, different types of hurt, whether it was ridicule in our past, or maybe we trusted someone and that trust was broken and, and we were hurt by that. We'd, then we start guarding ourselves against um, all of these different situations we don't want repeated in our life. But it's really hard to love someone if I've got barriers between myself and that person. When God comes into our life and his grace is there, not hiding my sin and shame, but exposing it and forgiving it and saying, I no longer have to worry about this, and he comes in and he transforms my heart so that my confidence is in his power working through me, not my own, then no longer do I have to go through life protecting myself because the almighty God has me in his hands. So now I am free to love fearlessly, to stick out my neck for someone else. You see, love costs something. Love is risky. Love puts yourself into a vulnerable place where you've laid yourself out there and they could chop your head off. But now if they chop my head off, they're chopping my head off for Christ. And praise the Lord. Boy, Paul is an incredible example in just his attitude. He says, for me to live is Christ. It's all about Christ. And should I die, that's gain because I'm gonna be with the Lord Jesus Christ. How can you stop a person like that? You can't. And through the power of Christ working in us, we can be people who love fearlessly. And the first place that that should happen is in our home. Between you and your kids, you and your spouse, what are things that you've, you've put up as guards because of past hurts? Maybe there is past divorce. Maybe there's, there's things even as a child you don't even realize are there that, that you're just guarding against. I never want to be hurt like that again. Let the truth of Christ just pour into your life so that you can be free from that and knowing the power of God in your life so that now you can be vulnerable to the ones that matter most and then carry that outside your home. And boy, people, when they see that, they don't understand it. What's up with this person? It's to the glory of God. Watching my clock. All right, the final, the final thing is accolades. As we are working 
uh, in the, other people's lives as God's working through us. Sometimes people don't even know why, but they're appreciative and they see how great you are for the impact that you've had on my life. And you go, it's not me, it's God. It's not bad to encourage each other, to say, brother, sister, God is working through you. And I've received that as a pastor. And in my response will be, praise the Lord. And I am thankful for you encouraging me in that. It's good for us to encourage each other. But let's together then know that when we say praise the Lord, we are agreeing with each other that it is God working in us to accomplish this thing and we can just praise the Lord. See, accolades can also be something that we struggle with. We have this... um, we have this idea of getting credit for things. It's just built into us from when we were kids. No, that was my idea. Or, um, no, I was the one that was the most. And, and whatever it is, who, who gets credit for, for what? What was done, anything, good or bad. And we fall into that. And in ministry, we can fall into that. Praise the Lord that the way he's formed Hope Church, we can't point to one person and say, here's the person that made Hope Church happen. From the very beginning, as an eldership of Fellowship Church, our sending church, together, uh, when we came together finally, God had independently been working in multiple hearts to the same answer. So it's difficult to say, oh, this was Jonathan's idea. This was John's idea. This was David's idea. No, it gets confusing because there's one spirit working in us, guiding us to a purpose. The person who had the great idea, who gets the credit, is the head of this church, is Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord how he's formed us, and we're even a co-pastorship. You can't say, oh, this church is so great because of his pastor. You have to say pastors. So now we can at least split that a little bit and say, no, it's not even us. It's the one pastor. It's Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Um, this week uh, has been an incredible week for us in leadership in the life of Hope Church. Um, on Monday, uh, we got to uh, meet with a group that was, that was from all over Texas, really. There was some pastors in there. There was leaders of, of, of organizations. And, and they were doing this vision tour Uh, put on by the Southern Baptist Convention of just looking at what God's doing in the area of Austin. Um, And they're interested in helping and investing in what God's doing in the area of Austin. And we just spent uh, that evening, Monday, uh, Reuben and John and myself, just sharing the testimony of what God has done in Hope Church. Um, and it was, it was incredible to just relive that with the three of us going through it. Um, boy, everyone in that room was excited about what God is doing in Hope Church. We had multiple people saying, our church, you know, whether it's from Fort Worth or I don't remember where they were all at. They said, we would love to support you guys. As we're, we're talking about, we haven't really shared much about it, we're talking about this summer reaching out into our community and what that looks like. We're praying about that. And, and God, how do you want us, 
and lead us into to reaching this community. Well, now we have multiple churches that said, if you need help, if you need feet on the ground, just prayer walking, what, whatever you need, we'd love to come around you and support you. We received great accolades as a church from these people excited about what God is doing, how important it is for us to immediately turn and praise the Lord. Because this is so not us. (laughs) This is the work of God. And we just need to be obedient in faith and constantly turn accolades and praise to him. We had on on Thursday, we met with with Jonathan, uh, who's uh, our fellowship uh, sending pastor, uh, was in that room. Uh, Robbie Partain. Uh, who is uh, the head of Blue Bonnet Baptist, which is uh, an area collection of churches. God has called that man uh, to minister and to be encouragement to pastors and churches in this area. Uh, we had uh, Steve uh, Cochran. Steve Cochran was there, who's, who's a representative for Southern Baptist Texas Convention here in Austin. Um, he's, a, he's a pastor who, Baptist pastor for 20-some for years uh, northeast of Dallas, um, who God lifted and, and had him just uh, drop into Austin, him and his wife, no one coming with him to start a new church just a couple of years ago. And now he's also helping in, in being a representative of Southern Baptist Texas Convention in this area, encouraging churches and trying to grow more churches in the Austin area. Uh, also in that room was, was John Minton uh, from... I always get it wrong. Everyday Christian Fellowship in, in uh, Cibolo, down near San Antonio. John has many ties to this church that we've discovered over time. It's no accident that he's connected uh, to us. It goes back into the history of Fellowship Church. Uh, one of his disciples that he, that he raised in the faith um, serves here at our church. Uh, didn't even know that connection originally. Um, they are going to be our sponsor church through Southern Baptist Texas Convention to, to sponsor us financially, but also in prayer, um, and just to be there as a support to us. So that group in that room uh, on Thursday, we basically put together what is uh, a covenant agreement uh, between all of them uh, to be accountable to them, us as a new church plant, um, and for them then to support both financially and just encouragement and in guidance, the leadership of this church. We've had such incredible support this week and seeing God, what he's doing, being faithful to say, okay, you have followed me now here. I'm just gonna show you a little more of how it's gonna happen. When we go to reach the community around us. It's not just us alone, Hope Church. It's God's people and churches around us. We met other churches I didn't go into that are down in San Antonio that, that have bilingual churches that say, we'd love to help you. We'd love to help you go see what you're, you know, investigate your community. We've done that in, in, in San Antonio and, and we have people that raised up in our church that are good at that and we'd love to come help you with that. We have such incredible support. It's to the praise and glory of God, all of it. Let us continue to be a church 
but doesn't lose sight of who it is that's working in us and why we are doing it. Ultimately, the greatest reason is the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, I'm just so thankful to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you for the life of this church. Thank you for those that you've brought to be a part of this. God, individually, you are such an infinite, great God that, that in all of this, you're working in our, in our families, in us as individuals, but at the same time, you're bringing people together to be the body of Christ so that we would be together to the praise of your glory. God, I, I lift up our church as we are a bilingual church and we're just learning what that means. Um, God, as we have chances to get together, both languages together, like we will at, at my house for food um, or other events that are coming up, God. Help us to bond as one body. Show us how we can do that better so that we can glorify you in something that doesn't make sense to the world, but makes every sense in a God who is uniting all things to himself. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.